pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your presence that is so clearly and evidently in this room. God, thank you for the tangible presence of Almighty God. Yes, you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And though the heavens can't contain your glory and no human edifice could ever house your presence, you choose to abide in the praises of your people. You have set up your throne room as your people open up their mouth and they lift up your hands. You choose to abide in the midst of them. And I thank you that where your presence is, we shall never be the same. When Moses encountered your presence, he left different. Oh, I thank you. We will not leave this house the same way we got here. We will leave and the glory will remain on us. It will linger. People will get around us later on today and they'll say, surely you've been around the presence of the Lord. Thank you for your presence that's in this room. Now, Holy Spirit, you who are the chief surgeon of God, would you come and do heart surgery in this place? Would you come and heal where necessary, come and bind where necessary? Be the balm of Gilead as your word calls you. But speak clearly to us and hide your servant behind the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you shout amen? amen. You could do better than that. Shout amen. amen. Matthew, the 18th chapter. I'm going to read the whole text to you because I think it's important for the context of what I'm going to share with you that we hear the whole context of what happens in the middle of this uh, encounter between uh, Peter and then it stimulates something in Jesus to tell this story and then the whole disciples hear it and, and get something. And we, we, we see a little peek into something here because when, when Jesus walked the earth, there are two ways he showed us his father, right? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So if you want to know about what our father looks like, you look at Jesus and you say, that's what the father looks like. He's full of mercy and judgment is his strange act and he's full of kindness. His kindness leads us to repentance. And so Jesus embodies what the father looks like. But then he also tells us these, these stories, these parables. He tells us these, 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 these nuanced, educated insights into what God is really like and so to to tell his disciples something he doesn't he doesn't just tell them straightforward he tells them a story to give them an insight about what his father might be like Matthew the 18th chapter and beginning with the 21st verse then Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me up to seven times he asked Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or as one translation more accurately has it, 70 times seven. And it doesn't have anything to do with 490, so don't, don't think because your spouse is sitting next to you, you're like, I already got that in the bag. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, my wife is sitting there uh, in the second row up there. She did that on year three. We're married 17 years. We're well past 490. We're at like 49,000. And you know what she's thinking right now? You're really past 49,000, Adam. <laughs> we did that in year 10. Um, <laughs> and so Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, and this is where he tells the story, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And so as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay the master, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay you back everything. 
The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go free and clear. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and he began to choke him by the neck. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I promise I'll pay you back everything I owe. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt back. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant and, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master turned to him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each other, treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. This, this powerful portion of scripture where Jesus gives us an insight into his father doesn't just start with him beginning this teaching. It's, it's aroused in him. It's, it's catalyzed by this guy, Peter. Peter's one of the disciples, and Peter is the disciple who has no filter. He's the guy who says what everybody else really wanted to say, but somehow just kept their mouth shut, bit their tongue, and said, I'm just going to let this one go. Not Peter. Peter's the guy who's in a moment's notice, he's going he's gonna to let it out. He's going to tell you what he thinks. So in his mind, Peter is at this moment where he's like, Jesus, people offense, because that's what Jesus was just teaching about a moment ago. And he's like, so Jesus, let me get this straight. Like, you want me to forgive my brother like seven times. I think in Peter's mind, he's being generous. And in Peter's mind, he's like, at this moment, like, by, by the third one, I would have knocked him out. So Jesus... I'm going to go the extra mile here. Let's go seven. Let's just, let's just round it up at seven. We've, so if I, if I forgive seven times, we've, we've got to be good, right? And that's what brings out this story from Jesus. And he begins to tell the story about a king because he's proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to see the fulfillment of what the kingdom looks like in the earth, look at Jesus' life. Where there's sickness, there's healing. Where there's lack, there's provision. And Jesus embodies this. And he says, there's a king. And for our modern day vernacular, let's suggest that the king says, there's a servant in his household who owes him $100,000. The king wants to settle accounts and he calls the servant and he says, you owe me a hundred thousand. And he says, I, I, I can't. And he says, that's okay. I'm going to take you and your wife and your kids and everything you own. And I'm going to sell it off to pay back what you owe me. And the servant begs, throws himself on the mercy of the king. In other words, I've got nothing to bring to you. There's no way I could repay you. There's no way I could do anything that would somehow measure up to the 100,000. But please, would you somehow grant clemency to me? Somehow would you forgive my debt? Would you spare my children from being in bondage, my wife and I from being in prison? Is that not what the king has done for us? Our king and our God has seen our debt, has seen our sins. And when we 
were at our lowest and weren't looking for him. He came looking for us and he says, I know you can't repay me, but I'm going to forgive you everything you owe anyway. Oh, I don't know about you, but I look back over my life. I grew up in church and I think about all the times and moments I messed up before I knew the Lord. But what grieves me more is after I should have known better. I don't know about you, but after God opened up my eyes, after he gave me his spirit to lead and guide me in all truth, after I should have known better, and yet I still fell into whatever I fell into. And, and I just, I think about that, and yet our God still forgives. His mercy is without end. And think about it. Our, our sins are not worth like a 100,000. They're worth everything. Before we knew the Lord, we were in prison and our spouse was in prison and our children would have grown up in bondage had we not come to an encounter with God who did not wait for us to come find him. He came and found us first. Oh, the mercy of God. The grace of of Almighty God, the God who looks past all our transgressions and when we have no way to repay and no way to somehow be able to get him to forgive us and he says, I forgive you anyway. I can't imagine what the servant must have felt like. I, I, I know for me, when I think about his mercy and I think about his grace, when I think about all the wrong I've done, and yet he forgives and he washes and he cleanses, I, I thank God he doesn't hold it against me that my sins are tossed as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness. And he never reminds me again, how could he have left the king's presence and somehow held it against his other brother? How could we walk out of church knowing what God has forgiven us of and somehow look down on the one who doesn't yet know Jesus. You know, oftentimes, the longer you're in church, the easier it is to forget your testimony. The longer you're in church, the further we get from what it felt like and what it was like to be lost. And so we look at other people on our job and on the street and on the block and family members and we pass judgment on them. Don't you know better? And the truth of the matter is, no, they don't. They're lost. It's why Jesus grieved saying, man, if you would have only known what could have saved you. It's like approaching a blind person and saying, don't you see this? Their eyes are shut, have not been opened. Oh, that God would motivate us by the mercy we have received from God to have mercy on other people. That doesn't mean to wince at sin. It just means that although God hates the sin, he loves the sinner. That we don't pass judgment on people, but that we let our life so shine before men that they'll have to give glory to God. You know what? You don't have to get up on your soapbox at your job if you live a life that truly honors Christ. I promise you, God will bring about an opportunity where that person who does not know him will come up to you and say, what is different about you? They'll sense it. They have to. Because it's our God's mission to seek and save that which is lost. But this servant, this servant leaves in my mind, he's skipping. I don't know why, but for some reason, he's skipping. 
People that are happy skip. I don't skip, but people that are happy skip. He leaves the king's presence. He's, I don't know why he's skipping. He's skipping it. In my mind, every time I see this guy in my head, every time I've read this portion of scripture this week, I'm like, this guy's skipping. He is just as happy as he possibly could be. He's, just, he's got this like grin from ear to ear. How do you leave the king's presence knowing that he just forgave you $100,000? Your wife and kids were about to be thrown in jail. You, how are you going to pay it back from jail? And then he goes and finds his brother. They're, they're both servants of the same master. The correlation is, as we serve God, th this is somebody who, who serves the same master we serve. And he grabs him. He just got forgiven for 100000 And he gets this guy that owes him a grand. And pulls him and puts his hands around his neck and begins to choke him. And says to him, pay me back everything you owe me. He says, I can't. The same way the servant had thrown himself on the mercy of the king, this servant throws himself at the mercy of his fellow servant and says, I can't. There's no way. There's no way I could possibly repay you. Please. And he takes the servant, his wife, his kids, throws him in jail. And says, you're going to stay there locked up until you find a way to repay me. The king gets so angry that he finds out about it, releases the servant that only owed a grand and locks up the one that owed 100000 And then Jesus says something. He says, that's what it's like when you harbor unforgiveness, when resentment settles in, when somehow it's not that he was denying the fact that the other servant didn't owe him a debt. It's not that Jesus is saying, I'm ignoring the fact that what that person did hurt you or what that person did grieve you or what that person did wounded you. I'm not ignoring that, nor am I justifying their behavior. But in light of my mercy toward you, in light of the debt that I've forgiven you, can you not also forgive your fellow servant? Not that it's, not that they didn't know you. Not that what they did didn't hurt you. But in light of all of that, in light of what I've forgiven you of, are you willing to forgive? You know, Every time I read about the second, when he gets to the guy and he puts his arms, his hands around that guy's neck. And I think to myself, how ugly. But you see, unforgiveness doesn't change the person you're holding it against. It changes you. Unforgiveness isn't about the other person. Unforgiveness is about you. Unforgiveness will drag you to a place that you never thought you could be. Because that wound, if it's not dealt with before the Lord, turns from the wound into bitterness, and your bitterness turns into anger, and your anger and frustration cloud your judgment. 
Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way, let no man pull you low enough as to hate him. Unforgiveness chains you. Matter of fact, unforgiveness is like getting the keys to a prison cell and as you unlock it, realizing you were the one inside of it. Your unforgiveness doesn't hold them. It holds you. It chains you. It keeps you in bondage. Somehow you continue to relive that moment. You continue to relive that action. And not that forgiveness somehow just means that what they did didn't matter. And not that it means that you should allow them to continue to hurt you. That's not what I'm saying. But when you can get to the point where you can forgive and release them, it's not really about releasing them. It's about releasing you. It's about your freedom. It's about what God wants to do in your heart. You see, unforgiveness, if not dealt with, changes you. Your friends notice. Your spouse notice. Your kids notice. You get to the point and the moment where people want nothing to do with you or be around you. It'll suck the life out of you. It can suck out the joy in your heart. You get trouble trying to get into the presence of the Lord because you're harboring this thing. in. And yet the truth of the matter is, in light of all that he's forgiven us, in light of this king who has forgiven so great, a debt. In light of this king who has forgiven us not a hundred thousand, but hell, death, and the grave. And when we came to him and said, But God, I can't possibly repay you for all the wrong I've done, he said, It's okay, my son already paid it all. The brutal death on Calvary, my son being beaten and whipped, living a perfect life and dying like a lamb led to the slaughter, not opening up his mouth. This Jesus who spread out his arms wide and was crucified, that was the debt you could not pay, but my son paid it for you. Now you're free. The great freedom that comes from knowing Jesus could somehow be negated by the unforgiveness in our heart because God wants to grant us great freedom. But as long as we stay chained to that thing or that person, we actually cancel the freedom God has over our life. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Well, then why am I walking around so bent over and so burdened? Maybe it's because there's unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe it's because there's an aspect of your life, a person in your life, something that's happened that you've never let go. You relive it. You think about it at night. You replays in your mind and Jesus says you don't have to try to do it on your own this isn't a self-help class where you somehow forgive yourself 
the power to forgive comes from the one who forgave you. Jesus can give us the power to forgive by his spirit so that as we say, God, in light of your mercy toward me, God, help me now to have mercy and forgiveness toward, and you fill in the blank. Because at this moment, they're not the ones suffering. You are. At this moment, they're not chained by that unforgiveness and that hurt. You are. And so Jesus says, you want to see a peek into my father? He's a king that has great mercy and forgives tremendous debt and loves when we now take the forgiveness we have received from God and forgive others. In the Lord's Prayer, right? He said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's interesting, trespass. It's a term used in land ownership. I just recently sold my home and, and bought a new home, and you have to pay for a title survey. I, I'm telling you, I don't know where it is, but if the government can add a tax, they absolutely will. <laughs> We're not broadcasting, right? We can cut that out on the back end editing. You sure, Justin? Let's make sure that doesn't get out there. If they can add something, they will. It's amazing. There's, 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 there's charges for the paper filing. I will file the papers for you. My wife can make photocopies. How much of the photocopies? We'll do the photocopies for you. Don't worry about it. It would have, <laughs> it would have been cheaper to go to law school and represent myself. Anyway. But the thing that's interesting about the survey is the survey lets you know where your land begins and ends and draws it out. Because if you don't know where your land begins and ends, you'll never know where somebody trespasses on it, crosses the line. I wonder if there was a moment in your life you feel like you weren't even aware where the boundary lines were and they trespassed against you. And yet God would bring us to this moment on this day not to justify what they did, not to excuse it by any stretch of the imagination, but simply to recognize that at this time and at this moment, the only one chained to that event and that person is you. And you can call those chains unforgiveness. 